So, this should be exciting. So, Abby, who is our children's church director, and Meg, who is our youth director, um, I assume that you guys both know that you are an extreme answer to the elders' prayers. Aww. I'm serious. I'm serious. So, for years, we prayed for you, for a youth, new youth director to come, and what a ball of energy you are. I think, I think your love language is teenagers, so it's really good. And then Abby, Children's Church is so important, and we struggled to find the right person for so long. You are such a blessing to us. You guys are. You guys are a blessing. Oh, man. Look, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. So they're going to share. So this should be exciting to hear some of your guys' story. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Well, hello. My name is Abby, as Steve just said. And I'm Meg. We wanted to start just by saying some things we had in common. For example, we both really love boba. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, we both love thrift store shopping. We are both gluten-free. Mm, yes. And we're both psychology majors. And we both also love our jobs here at Sega Lily Church. Yeah. So Sarah asked us to share our testimony today. That's why we're here. Um, but while I have the microphone, I just wanted to introduce Mariah. So she's filling in um, as the worship leader today. And we're so thankful for her and her gift that she's willing to come. So thank you so much, Mariah. I just wanted to point her out real quick. Um, so Sarah asked Abby and I to share our testimonies today. One time I asked someone to share their testimony, expecting them to talk about how they met Jesus. Instead, they got up in front of everyone and talked about how God gave them a new iPhone and a sick watch. <laughs> but it, that wasn't wrong. That wasn't the wrong thing. It was just my context, and I didn't think to explain that what I meant was I wanted you to share about how you met Jesus. But our testimony isn't just about the story of when we met Jesus. I actually don't even have that as part of my story. I grew up in a Christian household with parents who worked hard to show me Jesus' love from a young age. So I don't have that one moment or that one story. Rather, testimony is something that's continuously evolving and changing in our lives as we grow in relationship with God. It can take part in, in one moment. It can be a story over time. It's really witnessing how God has been active in our life and sharing that with one another. Yeah. So can we have the first slide, please? There's actually a verse with the word testimony in it. It's kind of weird. Just stay with me. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Now I have now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him. This is the church. Y'all, this is a church. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So in looking at this verse, the first thing that we see is that we actually exist in a greater story. We have an accuser, we have an enemy, and we also have a creator, someone who loves and deeply cares about us and is working towards triumph. 
um, this God adores us and is not only looking at this larger story, but intimately cares about your own story and showing up in your story, not only so that you can be a witness to him, so that you can tell others about him and their love and his love for them, but so that he can call out your identity, your value, how you were created. And so testimony is simply sharing how God is active in our life. And we are called to do that, to say this out loud to one another so that we can proclaim over the accuser that we have a God who is active and we can share in one another's story, the, the goodness and the grief and sit in one another with that in community in, in the way that God so deeply desires us to exist. Good, Abby. Welcome to our podcast, everyone. Thank you. Um, so I'm actually going to share about how I met God. And I'm going to share a story that takes place over a part of my life of how God answered a prayer and has been active in my life recently. I'm going first. <laughs> okay. So can I have the first slide, please? Okay. We love because he first loved us. This is from 1 John 4.19. Um, I love this verse because it speaks to me about how God loved me through my childhood and my teenage years and how God led, led me to my purpose in this current season that I'm in right now. Um, can I have the next slide, please? Um, so I'm going to share a quote from Frederick Buchner. So it's Buchner in German and Buchner in English. Um, the internet says both. So in youth group, when we're reading a name that we don't know, we can't pronounce it in the Bible, we say something. What do we say, you guys? Watermelon. That's right. We say watermelon. So I'm going to read a verse from Frederick Watermelon. <laughs> Follow your tears. They will lead you to your life's purpose. Whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected tears, it is well to pay the closest attention they are not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, God is speaking to you through them of the mystery of where you have come from and is summoning you to where you should go next. That watermelon guy is super smart. <laughs> um, so your tears will lead you to your purpose. I'm going to start from and just share my faith journey with you. So I was raised Roman Catholic near Palm Springs, California. It was the holy water, kneeling, gorgeous, stained glass window kind of Catholic. Um, what I remember most about going to church was that if my siblings and I were good, my mom would buy us donuts afterwards. Um, week after week we went and we never missed a Christmas or an Easter service. And I had so much exposure to God and I saw Jesus up on a cross every week. Um, but I wasn't pursuing a relationship with, with Jesus. God seemed like this faraway idea that I still didn't understand, but at least I got donuts on Sundays. Um, but I know that God was there in Catholic Church. God was loving me first and choosing me before I decided to love and to choose God. Um, my home life was difficult. Um, growing up, I was an angsty teenager. Um, I fought with my mom a lot. My parents were divorced, uh, which made everything worse. 
um, my mom and my strenuous relationship was constantly wearing on me. I have a strong memory from high school where two youth pastors came to speak at some Christian club that I had like never heard of or never been to before. Um, I had exposure to God, so I wanted to go and learn more. It must have been some kind of talk then about honoring your father and your mother, but something in me broke and I started crying really hard. Like people were turning to me, looking at me. I was like, isn't this normal? No? Okay. And I just said, I have a bad relationship with my mom. And then the bell rang, like right after I said that, and everyone left. <laughs> like they left me there crying. Nobody came over and prayed with me. Nobody talked to me. Nobody hugged me. Um, and I didn't feel seen, and I didn't feel loved, and I didn't feel cared for. I just wiped my face and went to class. This event was significant because these were the tears that would lead me to my purpose. Um, so in high school, I was almost a part of theater. I was, I was a part of theater also. So is anyone surprised? No? Okay. Um, in my junior year, I found my people, the theater kids. Um, so I had, a fun, I had a fun friend group that I'm still thankful for today. One of the theater kids, James, invited me and our friend Brett to his youth group. Um, the first time I went to youth group, it was so fun. We played a game, and then the pastor talked about our relationships with Jesus. Afterward, they asked Brett if he wanted to say a prayer and give his life to God. He said yes, and I stood with them in the parking lot under a tall streetlight and prayed too. I don't think anyone knew that I was praying along with them and giving my life to Jesus. I really wish I remembered more details because unbeknownst to me, this was a pivotal part of my life and my faith. Brett and I went to youth group the next week, except this time everyone ignored us. They were so kind and inviting the week before. Everyone, it was so weird. Um, Brett even joked about how we had our invisible cloaks on. So we were wearing our invisible cloaks that night. Um, because no one talked to us, I didn't feel seen or loved or cared for. I remember feeling close to God, but rejected by the kids in that youth group. Regardless of what was going on around me, I had prayed a prayer and been introduced to Jesus. I started pursuing a relationship with God, but didn't have much information or support. That was before like the internet was so accessible. So, um, I called myself a Christian, but I didn't fully understand. However, God loved me, God saw me, and God was caring for me. In college, I met my, I met my husband, Chad. He was a Christian too, and together we went to church and started to grow as a couple, and we got married, spoiler. Early in our marriage, we got invited by our friends, one of whom was a youth pastor, to see a movie. Um, it was The Passion of the Christ. Has anyone seen that movie? Do y'all remember? It's brutal. It is brutal. Um, so we're at a restaurant processing. Um, my heart was kind of ready and broken open. And the youth pastor mentioned that the youth group he was leading um, didn't have a woman to help him. So he needed help for the girls. He needed a woman's presence at youth group. 
Um, so in that moment, something stirred inside of me, and now I know it was the Holy Spirit. So I said I would help, but I was totally unprepared. I had never even prayed out loud, much less had any Bible verses memorized. And I didn't, um, I was, I, at that time I was reading the Bible and I was reading about John the Baptist and I was like shocked when he got beheaded because I wasn't familiar with the story growing up. So that was even a surprise to me. Um, but God was speaking to me and God was calling me. Uh, I went to youth group, and it turns out that I love teenagers. Those early days of youth group were challenging, but so fulfilling. I was super jealous, excuse me, zealous. I was not jealous, I was zealous. <laughs> um, and I failed so many times, I made so many mistakes. However, I never let those kids cry alone. I tried to be the mentor to them that I wish I had in high school. I did everything within my power to let them know that they were seen and loved and cared for. God loved me through high school, and he loved them too. God loved them first. Chad and I ended up leaving that church and stopped doing youth ministry after a couple of years. However, we stayed in contact with one of the youth from that church. They moved with us to Utah and still live here. In 2020, I was attending church here at Sega Lily. I happened to be at the church when a current, the current youth leader was setting up for youth group. He mentioned he didn't have a woman to help him with the girls. And then it happened. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was calling me back to youth ministry the same way it happened the first time. I jumped back in and started helping at youth group here. Well, I'm still really zealous and still making mistakes but I try whenever I'm with the youth to help them feel seen and loved and cared for. And I try to remind them that God loves them. God loved them first. I want to thank this congregation for doing such a good job of loving our youth and young adults. Whenever they come into church, they don't go unnoticed. They don't cry alone. I'm so thankful for how you all love them and see them and care for them. Um, my favorite verse is Romans 8:28, and we know that all in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This reminds me about how the Lord used the rejection I felt in high school to show me about how teenagers need to be seen and loved and cared for. I wish my high school youth group experience was different, but I don't know if I'd have the same sensitivity that I do now. Remember how I said I was a theater kid? Um, so God even used that small detail as like a little hobby in high school um, when our friend Elijah moved here. So Elijah and the family were new to our church. We quickly realized that Elijah and I both love to talk about plays and musicals. Um, Elijah knows way more than me, by the way. <laughs> um, but God used that as a stepping stone in our friendship. Um, apparently, theater-loving youth leaders were lacking in your life, Elijah. <laughs> um, God used my hobby in high school years later to welcome someone into our church community. Um, so I want to remind you, God uses every tear, every interaction, and every hardship to do something in our lives. I want to encourage you that the next time you're crying about something, pay attention to your tears. They just might lead you to your purpose. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.
Oh, I just need a moment to think and like sit in the story that Meg just shared with us. There is just so many moments, protagonists, antagonists of like joy and grief of feeling isolated and then welcomed by God. Um, thank you for sharing, Meg. It was beautiful. I'm going to stay up here with you. Yes, please stay with me. <laughs> um, when I think of testimony, I, I so often felt like I didn't have a testimony. As I shared earlier, I grew up with two parents who fought hard for me to see Jesus, to witness Jesus's love. Um, and so I was like, what, what story am I gonna share up here? How, how do I explain who Jesus has been to me without telling my parents' story or without explaining the journey that they have been through and the choices that they've made for my family? And certainly that is part of my testimony. That's part of the legacy my parents leave in me. But I, I also have moments where God has moved intimately in my life and has met me as an individual in my story and my pain and my heartbreak. And so the story that I bring to you today is, is a moment where I, I met God, I met my creator in the grief and the sorrow and the conflict that I was sitting in. Um, there's a podcast that I've been listening to, and I, I don't have it on the slide, the quote that I'm going to say, so I'll say it twice, but this is kind of what's motivating me telling this story. So the quote goes, to be known is to have other human beings enter your suffering and delight into your goodness and brokenness. And so one more time, to be known is to have other human beings enter into your suffering and delight into your goodness and brokenness. And so I want to offer and invite you to see how my life has been impacted by our creator, to see how my identity has been called out by my creator, and also that that story isn't necessarily wrapped up in a perfect bow, and it certainly is impacted by my humanness and by my fault. And so what I would call this story is God bringing me grief and joy. And it starts when I was like 14, 15 years old. And for those of you who don't know, a lot of my story is adoption. When I was nine, my parents adopted a 16-year-old girl. Her name's Cassie from the Idaho foster care system. And in, when I was 14, 15, um, after she had moved out and that chapter of my life had closed abruptly with heartache and sorrow and feeling like, where is the beauty in this story? Um, there was a little boy who was being fostered by another family in my church in Idaho. And part of the rules of, of foster care is that they, you can't take him out of the country. And so this family who was fostering this, this boy, he was about 9, 10, um, were going overseas for Christmas and they couldn't take him with them. And so my family said, oh, well, you can spend Christmas with us. And we had done stuff like that before. It, it wasn't, I had lots of kids in my home. I've had lots of experiences with kids from hard places, um, kids who are not biologically my siblings, and so this wasn't unusual. But I was journaling to God, which is a practice my mom implemented in my home at a very young age, and I remember writing down, he is my brother, and feeling this deep impressing upon me that I didn't understand that this stranger who I saw at church every now and then was supposed to be my brother, that he already was my brother. And so I wrote it down and I was like, okay, like, that's funny. Like, who knows what will happen? Um, ultimately, this boy moved away. 
He had another foster placement that was supposed to turn into adoption. And so he left our life for a year, um, but oddly ended up coming back into our life. And we had the opportunity a year later to adopt him um, after a whole year of no contact. And so here I am, 15 years old, having experienced a hard story with adoption already. And my parents sit me and my sister down on the couch and say, so how do you feel about this? And in that moment, I was completely overwhelmed. Um, I had a feeling in me, I had a saying in me that he is supposed to be my brother that certainly wasn't impacted by my experience because my experience told me to run and hide and go the other direction. It said that this will bring you heartbreak, this will bring you sadness, this will separate your family, the stress that you've seen your parents go through, the loneliness you've seen your family go through, it'll just happen all over again. And then I just felt in every part of my being, yes, like welcome your brother into your home. And so I sat on the floor in my living room, holding my knees, sobbing in front of my parents, out of this conflict and all I could get out of my mouth was, yes, all I hear is yes. And so Colton became my brother in 2019. He was formally adopted and he is 16 year old, years old now. And it is a beautiful story. My, my family has grown in a beautiful way, but there's a conflict in me. There is a beautiful story and there was also this belief in me when I had received what I felt was a prophetic moment when I felt like this kid is going to be my brother. Um, I had believed that that meant the story was going to be beautiful, that it was going to be wrapped up in a bow and that there was going to be no hardship, that it was just going to be like, oh my goodness, how special, a nine-year-old brother who is not going to bring anything new into our family dynamics. Like, how could that be possible? <laughs> I thought that's what God had been promising me through giving me a prophetic moment, and that was not true. Um, fast forward to today, I do not feel like my family has received um, fulfillment in, this, in adoption. Like, the story is hard. The story is complicated. There is so much darkness that is in my home at times. Um, and there is also so much beauty. And so God has brought me grief and joy and taught me to hold them together. And more than that, what he has shown me through this adoption story, through this prophetic moment, is that my happiness, my joy, my peace are not contingent on the external environment around me. What God equips me to do and what he has just brought me this summer is that I get to have unexplicable holy joy that doesn't make sense based on my context and doesn't make sense based on what my family is going through and doesn't make sense based on our world. Like the weight of the world alone, when I think about what's going on in our high schools, when I think about the role of social media and technology, when I, when I think about anxiety and depression, um, all of this is my external conflict, but I get to walk in the world holding joy. And so my testimony is not a finished story. It's not something that's been wrapped up in a bow. I'm not going to say that I get to, um, that I, I'm a perfect Christian by any means, 
Um, but it is a way that God has revealed glory in my life. Um, it's a way that he's revealed his design for me. One thing that I know and walk confidently in is that I adore psychology, but more than that, I adore being able to have a conversation with somebody and talk about their story and their life and then call out their identity and call out their value in them. And so that's why I'm going to school. And I wouldn't know that without my brother and my sister and the choices that my family has made, the, the story my family has walked into. And I, I also see beauty in, in how that impacts my sister back at home. My relationship with my parents is incredibly beautiful because of the hardship. And my little brother brings me joy as well, despite hardship. And so um, testimony does not have to be a polished story. It doesn't necessarily have to have uh, an ending even. This story is ongoing in my life, um, but it's just one of the ways that Christ has spoken to me in a way that is not of this world, but is of something set apart, it is something of the spiritual world. It's something that did not come from me. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, I would love to get to know you if you ever want to talk to me or reach out to me, or if you have any um, wishes or desires or, or opinions about children's ministry. I'm so excited to see the growth and where it goes and get to know your kids. So thank you. Awesome. Would it be safe to say that you both now walk in peace? This morning? Yeah. So, so I, I, I get that. So for me, trading your sorrow and your despair for peace means everything. Surrendering to Christ Jesus, peace comes. Peace came immediately. Peace comes today. If you are lacking peace, surrender to him. Ask him for peace. A lifelong, well not lifelong, half of my life I spent addicted to crystal meth and cocaine and smoking pot and that whole lifestyle. And one day when I met Jesus, I traded all that and peace flooded my soul. Peace is, peace is what our world needs. Peace is what some of us may need here today. Peace is what I need. Just to, just to go from day to day, I need peace. Maybe you do too. Online folks, are you looking for peace? I think you've just heard that Jesus is the answer. Jesus will give you peace. So let's pray. So Father God, we thank you that we trade despair and sorrow and so many things that have weighed us down. And when we do that, and we receive forgiveness from you. We receive love and acceptance from you. Your peace fills our mind, our heart, and our soul. Lord, we need more of that. We realize that. Lord, I pray that people that are hungry for peace and don't know it, whether they're here in this building or online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go to them in love and concern and compassion and you would offer them peace 
if they would give you their difficulty. Lord, we thank you that there is beauty for ashes. So, Lord, we give you praise in this day. We give you glory. Mighty God, we are so thankful for you. We are thankful for the peace that fills our homes, that fills this place, that fills our children's church and our youth group. Lord, we are thankful for your peace. We are thankful for Meg and for Abby that you have sent here. Lord, we give you thanks for them. We give you praise for them. We pray that you would bless them, that you would continue to anoint them, that you would continue to expand them. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And so there's going to be prayer folks at the table over here to my left, your right. And so thank you for being with us today. Lance and Cindy, be blessed on your way to Mexico for the next two weeks. Woohoo! Lance, Lance and Cindy are preaching down in Mexico for the next two Sundays. Yeah, so have have safe trip, Aaron and Sarah and the Red Gang, when you come home. Um, I know from being at David's tent in San Diego, Mike and I shared a room at David's tent in San Diego. Um, it was incredible. What was that, 2017? Something like that? It was incredible. So if you see Aaron and Sarah when they come back and they're walking a little higher off the ground, that might be why. Pardon? Oh, okay. Oh, so fair. So a lot, a lot of people don't know what David's tent is. So Mike Bueller's daughter-in-law, Tiffany Bueller, and Justin Bueller, Mike's son. Tiffany started a ministry ooh, 12 or 15 years ago where there is 72 hours of nonstop worship. So they start Thursday late afternoon, and they worship until Sunday late afternoon. And there are people from all over the place that come and participate. Um, Asher was one of their guests who played worship um, one time in the UK. Um, they set up a tent. There's like six or eight thousand people that come and fill this tent they have local pastors come and they pray over people they speak over people um mike and we ran into somebody from our church here who was working um david's tent san diego and she comes up to mike and i and she goes just so you know i signed you guys both up so you guys are going up these stairs and you're going to get in line and those people are going to pray over you and give you a word so we both went and it was fantastic um, so it was good, and so it's incredible. So the presence of God was so real and so much bigger than what I was anticipating. And so I ended up jumping and dancing in San Diego with the teenagers from this church. And I was filled with incredible joy. And so that's where Aaron and Sarah and the kids are right now. They're going to come back. They're going to be blessed. It is awesome. If you ever get an opportunity to go, I would highly recommend going. It, it, I, don't, I don't know if they ever plan to do another one in the U.S., but um, the U.K., it's, it's been fantastic. So, hey, yes. Pardon? Yeah, that's not associated with, with um, so Sarah sits on the board of David's tent with Tiffany and Justin and 
and others. And so, yeah, yeah, I saw something online about that too. And I was confused for a moment. So David's Tent DC is not associated with David's Tent in the UK. So different ministries. Thank you all for being here. God bless you. Um, walk in peace this week. Amen. Give peace away.